Hello and welcome to What the Bible Says podcast, where we seek to find answers to the questions that you ask. The goal for every podcast is to answer questions only using the Bible, as we believe the Bible is still relevant to answer questions today. Although some of the volunteers in this group attend local churches, we are not supported by any church or denomination in any way, shape, or form. We receive no funding from any congregation or organizations. Let's search together what the Bible says. All right, on this week's episode, we're going to look at the question, what does the Bible say about government? This is a question that many have, especially in recent times, whenever we've uh, gone through the the different uh, stuff that we've went through with, with COVID-19 and various legislation that has been put into place and, and those types of things. And so we're going to look at this question, one of the top Google searched questions that, that, that there is about what the Bible says regarding government. Whenever we do this, we're really going to go through and look at um, three different uh, questions, if you are, I guess two, and then one example at the end. We're first going to look at who put civil authorities into place. Uh, how did they come about? Um, are they authorized? Uh, who ordained these authorities? And then we're going to look at what is our responsibility to the civil authorities, according to the Bible. And then lastly, we're going to look at an example in the Old Testament regarding a citizen and his relationship, the way that he handled the civil authorities. To start off, we're going to look at, like we said, who put civil authorities into place? Who put these civil authorities into place? Did they just come out of out of nowhere? Or is this something that, that, that is there for a reason? And to do so, I want to look at Romans chapter 13. In Romans chapter 13, we read, beginning in verse 1, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise for the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes... For they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. So one of the things that we get from this passage, Paul writing here to the brethren at Rome, is this, that the authorities that exist, the civil authorities, the governments that we have, that they are appointed by God. We see that in verse 1. God is the authority, and he appoints the civil authorities. In other words, he puts them into place. And so we ask the question, 
who put civil authorities into place? Well, Romans 13 verse 1 answers that question. They are appointed by, they are put into place, they are God ordained. And so then the question might come up, well, why, why did God appoint them? I understand that he did, but why, why did he? Do, do we have that revealed for us in scripture? And this section does reveal why he appointed them. He appointed them to be ministers of God for good. In verse 3, we read that rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. In verse 4, we read that they are God's ministers for good, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. In verse 6, they are ministers to keep evil out. And so what we see and what we understand from Scripture is that the civil authorities are put into place for our safety. So God appointed them, and the reason why he appointed them, the reason why he put them there is for our own safety. It's for our, our benefit. The civil laws, the rules and ordinances are put into place by civil authorities to limit the ability of dangerous individuals carrying out dangerous actions. This is why God put them into place. God put them into place in order to protect us for safety. You know, we recognize that our laws, um, what they are meant for, that they're meant to limit crime. They're, li- they're, they're meant to limit murder and theft and, 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 and any crime that, that would be out there. And the reason why we say this is because although some still commit the crime, and we recognize that that is the case, that although we have civil authorities in place that are meant to be there for our safety so that you don't have complete anarchy and and people just running around doing whatever they want, we recognize that some still commit crime, but there is also recognition that if you're caught in doing so, that a punishment will be handled out and what would will be handed out. And who hands that out? Well, that's the civil authorities. That's the local governments that God has ordained and put into place. And so God put these civil authorities into place. And the reason why he put these civil authorities into place is for our safety. It's for our benefit. It's not uh, for a, 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 a situation j- j- just to have something there that makes us mad or angry or, or, or anything like that or, or, you know, put something there that uh, might be unfair. You know, you think about the taxes we got to pay, no doubt, while uh, not too many people like taxes and like the amount that you have to pay in taxes. We recognize and realize what these taxes are for. In fact, that's one of the things pointed out here. And Romans 13 and verse 6, for because of this, you also pay taxes for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. So what do you do? You render the taxes due to them. Why? Well, because that is how they are paid in order to provide the safety. That is how they receive the funds in order to provide the safety for us. God establishing these so that we can have safety in place. And you think about what it would be like without civil authorities, complete anarchy. Those just running around doing whatever they want. Think of a time period maybe in in history where this seemed to be a thing. You think about the Dark Ages or those types of things where there didn't seem to be any civil authorities or governments and so much crime that goes on. And so we recognize and realize that God is the one who established them, that there is a reason for the establishing or for the ordaining of these civil authorities. So then what is our responsibility? We recognize that 
They are there because God ordained them. This is something God put in place. So what is then our responsibility to them? What is our relationship to them, to the civil authorities, to be like? Well, Romans 13 gives us that answer as well. So not only do we read that God established them, and there's a reason for that, but then he also gives us how we are to handle ourselves in regard to this relationship. Starting in verse 1 of Romans 13, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Did you catch that? Did you pay attention to that? Let every soul be what? Be subject to the governing authorities. We are to be subject to them. In other words, we are to put ourselves under them. That's the idea of subject, submission. We are to submit, put under, put ourselves under these governing authorities. You think of uh, military rank. You have uh, those of higher rank and lower rank, and those of lower lower rank put themselves under their higher ranking officer. And so they are to subordinate themselves. They are to put themselves under that one who is higher ranking, and that is the idea that we have here. So we are to subject ourselves. We are to submit ourselves to them. But why do we do this? Why do we subject ourselves and submit to the civil authorities? Well, one, we recognize that God put them in place, and so there's got to be some significance there. But then we read in verse 2 that if we don't subject ourselves and we don't submit to the civil authorities— We don't put ourselves under them. We think that we are better than them and higher than them and don't need them and and, 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 uh, act in such a way to not be in submission to them. Then who we are really disobeying, the one that we are really not subjecting ourselves to, is God. And verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, not man, He didn't go down that path. Paul tells him, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, what it says is that whenever we resist the authority, that being the civil authority, who we are really resisting is we are resisting God. And so if we don't subject ourselves to them, then who we are really disobeying isn't the civil authority. We are disobeying God. And whenever we do so, We resist God and bring judgment on ourselves. But not only do we disobey God, if we don't subject ourselves and we don't submit to the civil authorities, then what we do is we end up hurting our conscience. We get this from verse 5. We read, therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also For conscience sake, we are to be subject to these for conscience sake. I want you to think about something. Our conscience, what is it? Our conscience is something that's extremely important. It's what tells us what is right and what is wrong. Now, we recognize and we understand that our conscience can be wrong. Uh, This is something that Paul points out whenever uh, he's going through and and uh, recounting his life and, and, and giving his defense, one of the things he says is, I did things in all good conscience. And so what he's saying is, I never went against my conscience, but there was a point in time whenever his conscience was wrong, when he was persecuting the church. So we understand that the conscience can be wrong. This is why it's important that we 
uh, make sure that our conscience is in line with God's word. In other words, our conscience, our conscience is shaped by and, and, and defined by God's word, the standard of right and wrong that is in the truth. But I want you to pay attention to this. If we go against uh, what we know is wrong, in other words, if we are ones that go down this path and we are not submitting to the civil authorities, then what happens? Well, what happens is we're going against our conscience because what our conscience should be telling us is that it's wrong to go against the civil authorities because that is what God has told us to do. And pay attention to why that's so significant, why that's so important. Because as we see in 1 Timothy 4.2, what one can do is they can sear the conscience that they have. They can go against a good conscience by doing that that they know is wrong. And whenever they do that, they sear it and they cause a hardening of themselves to the truth by being disobedient to it. And so what we know is this. What we know is that if we don't subject ourselves to the civil authorities, then what happens is I disobey God. But not only that, I hurt my conscience, which is going to hurt my ability to be receptive to the truth. So I need to make sure that we're not doing that. Not only do we see that, not only do we recognize that, but we understand that being those who are subjected or being in subjection, uh, being in submission to the civil authorities, something that God tells us to do, it is the will of God. It's what God wants us to do. In a similar passage over in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, we read, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. What we recognize and what we see is that being in subjection, being in submission, submitting ourselves to these civil authorities is something that God wants us to do. Not only do we disobey God if we don't, but it is what he wants us to do. It is his will for us to do it. And not only is, his, it, not only is it his will for us to do it, but whenever we do, what we in effect do is put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. There's no doubt that there are those out there who um, look at the Christian way of life, look at Christians, and speak evil of them, who claim that they are wrong in the way that they handle themselves and in what they do. And one of the ways in which we can silence these foolish men in their ignorance who are speaking against Christians is by being in submission and subjection to the civil authorities. You think about if we are those, or if we are ones who do not subject ourselves to civil authorities, we think we're above the civil law and government that is there, the things that are put in place for our safety and our benefit. We think we are above them and above that. It gives these foolish men an opportunity to speak evil of us. One of the things that God says is by being in subjection and submission to the civil authorities, you prove yourself as one who is in submission to God. 
you prove yourself one who is obedient and a good worker, and it's going to silence the ignorance of these foolish men who are speaking evil of you. Not only that, by submitting to the civil authorities, we're ultimately submitting to God. This is one of the things we pointed out in Romans 13, but I want to point it out here again in 1 Peter chapter 2, because what is said is this, that whenever we submit to the civil authorities, this is something that's of the will of God. He gets into verse 16. He says, we do this as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. And so what we recognize is this, that whenever we submit, we are doing so as those who are free, those who are bond servants of God. Now, we are free in what way? Well, Romans 6 tells us that we are free because we're no longer slaves of sin. We're no longer in bondage to sin. We are those as children of God who are now free from that. But we don't take that freedom that we're no longer slaves to sin and use it as an opportunity to go and live however we want, do, do whatever we want. We don't use it. Uh, we don't use this liberty, this freedom as a cloak for vice. We don't go down this path to using it as a means to commit sin and, and be wicked and do whatever we want. In fact, that's one of the things is pointed out in Romans 6. You are no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer in bondage to sin. That doesn't give you the right to then continue to sin however you want. Paul says, certainly not. You don't continue to sin. What he says is, you now have a new master. And that new master now being righteousness. That new master now being God. You are now in submission to Christ. And so what we get from all this and what we understand is that while we have freedom as Christians, we're no longer in bondage to sin We do not have the freedom to do whatever we want. We are still to be those who are obedient to God and in submission to God. And in doing so, we are going to be those who please God and submit to his will. In regards to the government, God's told us to be in submission to them. You think about uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And one of the things that Peter does before this is he talks about remember who you are, that you are Christians at the beginning of 1 Peter chapter 2. You're Christians, and, and you, are a child, you, you, you are a child of God. You are children of God, and, and, and remember the benefits that are there. And then he goes on and starts to talk about in the second half of this chapter about how that understanding should then impact your conduct in this life. And understanding that I'm a child of God should impact my conduct when in regards to the civil authorities and the fact that I'm going to be in submission to them. I'm going to subject myself to to them. So that's what we get, and that's what we understand from Scripture as far as who put these civil authorities into place and what our responsibilities to these civil authorities are. But with this, it can still sometimes maybe be kind of confusing. Well, how does this look? How, how, how do we do this? You know, we read in Scripture that the things in the Old Testament were written for our learning and for our admonition. So we can go back there and go look at an Old Testament example that I believe points out and shows us how we deal with these civil authorities, how we are to subject ourselves and how we are to live under them. When you look at Daniel, you go to Daniel and you look at his life from the beginning that we hear of Daniel in Daniel chapter one 
one who uh, is most likely a teenager. Um, at the oldest, he would be a young 20-year-old, but no doubt a very young man taken from his homeland whenever Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylons come down and, and uh, invade Jerusalem. And so from that point on throughout his life, Daniel never lives under uh, a Jewish uh, government, if you will. He is now under a foreign government from the Babylonian Empire all the way through to the Medo-Persians to the end of his life. Uh, he's always underneath foreign rulership and government that are and is completely immoral, that worships, uh, uh, that has idolatry all over the place. But yet we see in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel certainly near the end of his life, but we can see these qualities and character traits throughout his life. When we look at Daniel 6, what we see is how to properly live under a foreign rule or foreign power. In Daniel chapter 6, you have the Medo-Persians in place. And in verse 3, we read that this Daniel distinguished himself above all the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. The king gave thought to setting him over the whole, whole realm. And so we recognize this, that Daniel was one that was highly thought of, that he handled himself properly. He had a proper relationship with this foreign government, with this foreign uh, regime, if you will. And so what we read is the fact that Daniel had an excellent spirit. And he had this excellent spirit despite being in a foreign land under a foreign government. And the spirit that is discussed is his disposition. He handled himself properly. He had the proper attitude. And so while he was in a government and under a, a rulership that in all likelihood he did not want to be under, he continued to handle himself properly. And he handled himself properly, as we see in verse 4, by being faithful over what was given to him, what he was entrusted with. He was faithful over that. And as a result of that, the other governors and satraps that didn't really care for him and were trying to get rid of him, they were trying to find something to pin against him, couldn't find anything. Why? Because Daniel was handling himself properly in the given role that he had, being one who was entrusted with various things from the king. But although he was in this foreign rulership, this foreign government that you know uh, Daniel, if he had his choice, wouldn't have been a part of, Daniel submitted himself to them. But you know, in verse 10, whenever we read in this account, we really see who Daniel was. Daniel was had this excellent spirit. He handled himself right. He was faithful to what he was entrusted with. But above all, Daniel was obedient to God. He was faithful to God. Whenever a rule was put into place that would cause Daniel to be disobedient to God, rule being that you can't pray uh, to, to any god or foreign god or, or, or anything like that for, for a period of time. If you did, you'd be thrown into a lion's den. That would then pin Daniel against his god. That'd, put Dan, that, that'd pin Daniel against God because God is the only one that you are to be praying to. What did Daniel do? Well, in that case, we see that Daniel went and Daniel prayed anyway. When a rule is put into place that would cause Daniel to be disobedient to God, who did he obey? He obeyed God. You see, civil governments and civil authorities, that they are ordained by God, as we established. And they're there for our safety. But, you know, sometimes civil governments and civil authorities go beyond what God has given them the authority to do. And we understand why this happens. Because who is the civil government? Who is the civil authorities? Well, it's man. 
man has free will, and anytime man has that free will, he can make choices that are in line with God's will or that goes against it. No doubt this happens even within governments. And whenever this occurs, the government, the civil authority makes a decision to put into place a law or regulation or ordinance or do something that would cause one to go against God's will and God's word and what God says one must do, then we are to obey God rather than man. This is the same thing that we see in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Whenever Peter and the other apostles respond to those who are telling them that they can no longer preach and teach in the name of the Lord, that they no longer could preach and, te- preach and teach Christ, they responded saying, well, we ought to obey God rather than men. Why? Because this would go against the Great Commission. They were to go out and go teach and preach Jesus Christ. They were to take that gospel and his message to the world. And so what we see from Daniel's example and what he teaches us is this. We are to be obedient to God, and in doing so, we are to subject ourselves to the government. When we subject ourselves and have the proper spirit about us, others will take note. In other words, others see our conduct. Our conduct impacts others. It happened with Daniel. The king took note of it and saw Daniel as one who had distinguished himself above the others. It also had a negative impact because the other governors and satraps did not like Daniel. But in all, we are in subjection to the government, not if the government puts into order something that will cause us to disobey God. So what that's going to do is that's going to cause us to go against that rule or what is put in place. But I want you to consider something. Whatever that does happen, we do not conduct ourselves in an unruly manner. Whenever something is put into place, we don't go out there and start acting and behaving in an improper way. We continue to conduct ourselves in a godly manner. We don't go out and riot, in other words. Now, that's one of the other top Google-searched items that's out there. What does the Bible say about rioting? Well, while this isn't the, uh, this podcast this episode isn't intended to answer that question i do want you to think about this whenever daniel had a rule put into place that would pin him against his god and that he needed to continue to obey god rather than men how did he do it did he go out and riot and start burning things start busting down buildings and get mad and start doing all this and that no daniel carried about himself handled himself rightly went to his room and continued to pray to God as he had done. Same thing with uh, Peter and the other apostles. When they were told this, that they just start throwing things and start going absolute nuts, writing? No. They simply said, we ought to obey God rather than men, and they were going to continue to preach and teach the message of God. So, whenever a government or civil authority does put one of these things into place, we don't riot. We still handle ourselves in a proper conduct in the proper way, but we obey God rather than obeying man. So in conclusion, who put civil authorities into place? Well, God did. And he did so to be his minister for good and for our safety. Like I said earlier, it's one of the reasons why we pay taxes, but no doubt that's why we submit, because they're there for our benefit. What is our responsibility to these civil authorities? Well, it's to to subject ourselves under them. It's to be in submission to them. And we see all this in the example of Daniel. But what Daniel brings out is the other element of this. 
We subject ourselves to them so long as they maintain to continue to be within the realm that God gave them the authority to do. Once they go outside of that and start to put into place laws or ordinances or various things that would cause one to go against the will of God, then they are to obey God. We are to obey God rather than men. I hope this study was helpful, encouraging, and edifying. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, We would love to uh, be able to start a Bible study with you. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions about what was said in this episode or any topics you would like us to cover in the future, please visit our website at whatthebiblesays.co where you can submit your questions or suggestions. There is also a place on our website if you are interested in scheduling a more personal Bible study with one of the Christians in this group. Lord willing, see you next episode.